Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning, tribes people. Good morning, wanderers. Good morning, whiskey drunk. Good morning, crackhead Phil. Good morning to the railroads. Good morning to those engineers. It's August the 6th, 2023, just after 11 a.m. in Scompton, Utah. That's Mountain Standard Time. I don't know what time it is where you are. I just don't. Sorry. Can't tell you, buddy. Can't tell you what time it is. I'm not Flavor Flav, right? I don't wear a giant clock around my neck. I'm not a hip-hop star from the 90s. I'm just an old scrumbo freak staring into oblivion. Yes, staring into the dark tunnel of the future. Looking through the seer stone. I've got my crystal ball. I've got my crystal magic. I'm drinking crystal light mixed with Everclear. right um just a quick update i'm still basically in the same situation but my attitude has improved a little bit in the last couple days um i should be on the road next sunday and i don't know what's awaiting me i really don't okay i I don't know if it's very helpful to spend too much time worrying about it. You know, a lot of people that I've come to know, I've come to understand, and many of them as a result of my podcast, a lot of people are in the same leaky boat. A lot of people are drowning or at least treading water. And so I can't just sit here and be some type of a dickhead and say, look at how special I am. I'm so special. I'm not really special. None of us are. We're all unique, and and you can get a little diploma saying that, and that's true, but none of us is that special, okay, such that the world will not invade our reality. You could be as poor as poor can be, someplace in India cooking alive. You could be a rich oil billionaire someplace in Texas being cooked alive. You could be anybody right now. You could believe in God or not believe in God. But I am telling you most assuredly that the great fist called destiny is heading for everybody. And it doesn't really care. It's indiscriminate. Everyone will face the fist of destiny. Everyone will face the wheel of history. No one is going to avoid consequences. This is the fuck around and find out place. As I said before, this is a land of consequences. And what did Ayn Rand say? You can ignore reality, but you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. So here's the deal. You're treading water. I'm treading water. We're treading water. But that doesn't mean we have to give up. And so what do we do? 
We swim. We keep swimming. We keep trying to swim. If we get a little tired, we take a look at the sharks. We gotta keep swimming. We gotta keep up that thing. We gotta not give up. Because that's how you drown, brothers and sisters. You drown when you see the sharks and you see the giant octopi looking at you all hungry. You drown when you see the waves rolling over you. You drown when you can't see shore and, and then you start to believe there's no such thing as dry land. You drown when you give up. You don't drown when you're tired. You drown when you no longer want to keep swimming. So the only advice I can give to you is the advice I'm trying to take myself. And that is don't stop swimming. I'm not going to say it's easy. If you're a mom or a dad right now, you might have to swim hard enough for more than one person. And that just doesn't mean physical. That's not just financial. That's existential. That's spiritual. That's about the troubles in people's minds right now. We live in a world of lies. We always have, but about 2020 Bull Blim Talk, they took the lie dial and they turned it to fucking 11. So we're living in this time of lies and deception and pain. We're living in a time of fear and a lot of the fear isn't even real. It's not legitimate, but it's there for a reason. And people like us who are busy swimming, because we're so busy swimming, we might never know the reason. I am a traveler. I was a traveler in the time of hippies and red wine. I spent my time dancing the chorus, eating Ouroboros. I taught Timothy Leary all that he knew. We sniffed glue. I was his guide. My brain was fried. I am a traveler and it's all fine. He was a traveler in the time of Bull Blimptock. He spent his days in a haze drinking monkey spit. He scolded Elvis. He sang to old Clovis. It was atrocious. He had his clam lover on TikTok because he was a traveler. And the road was cracked. And the ship was rocked. She was a huntress, dressed in fiery love. She was the queen, fitting her kingdom like a glove. She drank urchin wine and laughed before the swine. She held court in Memphis. She was a temptress, always scantily clad. You don't make her mad. She's a fucking traveler. We were travelers on the road of disarray. 
We made love to the swamp birds, but hey, if a cow got in our way, we'd launch a troll beam and see the world gleam as this, this were a farce, as if we were fools, as if land were far away. Wasn't it fucking cool to be that traveler, to be that dude? There were travelers when Colonel Sanders fought the Nazis at Iwo Jima. A Cleveland steamer, can I borrow your beamer? He took the BMW and ran over Hitler. There were travelers in that time of Zook the alien who stole your butthole love, who left you to, to die by the road. It wasn't your humble abode. Zook took your innocence. Zook took your butthole. And so with Anne McGrude. She was a traveler, hustling and rude. Burned the car, flooded the bar. Her boyfriend was doing heroin in the alley as the shark came along and took him to the valley. He was a traveler too. And then there was Horace, the slimy. He was grimy, he was a mess. He was married to a girl named Tess. They lived with much less than you would be used to because they lived behind the dumpster. It was for fun. He had a gun. He took on the man. Now he sleeps in a can. Horace was a fucking traveler. There was Tenny Tendril. He kept it real. He had a pet seal. He lived down by the wharf. Even though the poison was leaking from the dumpsters even though the poison was leaking from the sewers, even though the poison was leaking out of his own brain, nothing left to gain, going insane, Tenny was a traveler too. And then there are the whores of, from Scompton. We're talking hookers from Scompton. We're talking real pros on the go in their Ford van, taking it, you know, wherever they can. Sometimes they go to that place, it's a euphemism called Ketchikan. And in that place, they do round the world, every girl, some lucky John, he knows what's going on. Because the whores from Scompton, they'd fill up the road from here to Seattle, all the way to New York City, all the way to, you know, Georgia. The whores from Scompton are everywhere now. Infected with Candida. And they're travelers. And you might see one one day.
next topic, like I said, it, it, it's only over if, if you drown. That's kind of the ticket right there. So I'm going to read from a link. Um, truly, whether this is the best link for the topic is not the issue, but I'm going to read. I'm going to read from a link, and the link is in the notes. And I'm not going to read the whole article. I'm just going to read a section of it. Okay. On August the sixth, nineteen forty-five, the United States dropped an atomic bomb on the city of Hiroshima, Japan. The bomb was known as Little Boy, a uranium gun-type bomb that exploded with about 13 kilotons of force. At the time of the bombing, Hiroshima was home to 280 to 290,000 civilians, as well as 43,000 soldiers. Between 90 and 166,000 people are believed to have died from the bomb in the four-month period following the explosion. The U.S. Department of Energy has estimated that after five years, there were perhaps 200,000 or more fatalities as a result of the bombing, while the city of Hiroshima has estimated that 237,000 people were killed directly or indirectly by the bomb's effects, including burns, radiation sickness, and cancer. The bombing of Hiroshima, codenamed Operation Centerboard, Centerboard 1, was approved by Curtis LeMay on August 4, 1945. The B-29 plane that carried Little Boy from Tinian Island in the Western Pacific to Hiroshima was known as the Enola Gay, after pilot Tibbetts' mother. Along with Tibbetts, co-pilot Robert Lewis, bombardier Tom Farabee, Navigator Theodore Van Kirk and tail gunner Robert Carone were among the others on board the Enola Gay. Below are the eyewitness accounts. I'm not going to read them. I'm going to stop right here with the reading. So you know, when they say gun-type device, what do they mean, Dan? Well, here's the thing about weapons-grade uranium. It's not easy to produce. Um, they built miles and miles of centrifuges. Um, in Tennessee during World War II at some place called Oak Ridge and, and, I, and maybe they still do the same work there but these centrifuges would be filled with uranium hexafluoride gas UF6 and at very high speed the heavier UF6 would be pulled to the outside while the lighter UF6 could be extracted from the center and thereby you could refine and enrich uranium Uranium was in many ways more stable than the other material that would be used on Nagasaki. That's plutonium, and that's for another day. Um, so they could do a relatively simple bomb design, which means take two subcritical pieces of uranium, fire them at each other. The resulting compression will create supercriticality, allow, allowing the neutrons to spread in a cascading and, and reactive way, right? So this cascading reaction, this uncontrolled nuclear reaction, would be the atomic explosion that produced 13,000 tons of TNT in terms of explosive force, 13 kilotons. 
which by today's standard would be considered a tactical nuclear weapon. It wouldn't even be considered strategic. Most of these strategic weapons are weapons that are dialable, which means you can dial them up, dial them down, between 250 kilotons for, a MERV re for one MERV warhead up to one megaton, and a lot of missiles carry more than one of these warheads, these MERV, these multiple independent reentry vehicles. So I think the MX missile carries 10 or something. I think, I think that Minuteman carried a couple, but, but the bottom line is today's weapons are far more powerful. That's, a, that's, the, that's the simple way of putting it, right? My dad was stationed on Guam right about this time. He was a mechanic, that was his primary MOS, but in terms of military activities, my dad was going to pilot landing craft, which means if they had invaded Japan, my dad would have been one of those Navy sailors piloting a boat to the shore as artillery and machine guns and everything else is spraying at you. And most people thought, most people believed, based upon the brutality of the war in the Pacific, that if we ever did have to invade Japan, it would have been pretty bad. It would have been horrific. And I wouldn't probably be here. Okay, think about that for a second. Because I'm not a big fan of what they did. I think they had options. I don't think they had to drop the bomb on Hiroshima. And they could have done a demonstration. And it would have probably scared the hell out of the Japanese high command. A lot of people within the high command of Japan by the spring of 1945, especially after, you know, their friend Hitler gave up, a lot of folks were ready to make some kind of deal. But we weren't going to make a deal, right? It was all or nothing. And before you all say, but they attacked us at Pearl Harbor, this is true. But you need to research Pearl Harbor because it's not as black and white as the propaganda would have you believe. In many ways, Pearl Harbor looks as fake as 9-11, and 9-11 looks fake as fuck. Okay, we probably could have avoided Pearl Harbor, but it looks like FDR really wanted a war in Europe. And you say, well, how's that connected? Well, the Japanese had a, an alliance. It was, they were part of the Axis Alliance, and because of that, it was like one thing's connected to the other. If you know anything about RICO law, it's a lot like RICO law, right? If they find a criminal within your organization, they can charge you with a crime, even if you didn't commit it, like RICO. And, and yeah, that's really constitutional. But getting back to the topic, FDR and, their, and the FDR administration wanted into the war in Europe. And at that time, the American public was still pretty much opposed to it. They remembered World War I. They remembered the outcomes of World War I. A lot of Americans simply did not want to get involved. And then there was Pearl Harbor. But even with Pearl Harbor, whether it was real or not, or whether it was some, something in between, whether we simply let the Japanese attack us, whatever interpretation you want to apply, we had a choice in 1945. We could have been brutal or not brutal. And Curtis LeMay, <laughs> our good friend Curtis LeMay, he's the one that recommended um, nighttime inaccurate firebomb raids on Tokyo. And the raids on Tokyo and other cities, the LeMay raids, killed way more than the bomb at Hiroshima. What made Hiroshima special wasn't how many people died, what made Hiroshima special is it only took one fucking bomb, okay?
That's what makes it special. But as far as death goes, as far as brutality goes, the United States understood that given the way that the Japanese lived and how they constructed their buildings, firebomb raids would kill millions. So they chose to kill millions. They didn't have to. There were other options. I believe after the defeat of Germany, we could have gone to Japan and gotten pretty much the same deal and a modicum of honor could have been kept by everybody, not just the Japanese, but by Americans as well. And we could have invaded. And if we'd invaded, I wouldn't be talking to you probably because I don't think my dad would have made it home. Now there's more to his story that I don't want to talk about. But the point is, you know, if he had been piloting a landing craft sometime in September or October of 1945, because that's probably when the invasion would have happened, he would probably have been killed. And a lot of other people would have been killed. And I would not be talking to you today. So I don't know how to express my thoughts about this event. I think it was brutal. I think it was unnecessary. I think we had other options. But for some reason, we had to do this. And we had to do it twice. It was almost like it was more important to test these different weapons, these different designs. It was more important to get that baseline of data than it was to do the right thing. And, you know, if you don't understand this, um, there's a documentary that William Shatner uh, narrated about 20 years ago. It's called Trinity and Beyond, maybe about 25 years ago. And, you know, 23 roughly. But the point is, about a couple decades ago, there was a documentary called Trinity and Beyond, and it's narrated by William Shatner. And it deals with the bulk of the above-ground testing of nuclear weapons between the end of World War II, actually from Trinity, all the way through the ban of above-ground nuclear testing in the early 1960s. Um, the test ban. There was still underground testing, so there was still a lot of hanky-panky, but the above-ground testing and the launching nuclear weapons 100 miles up to see what the fuck's going to happen, the insane sane people, intelligent people said, maybe we should stop this. Maybe we should stop it. Again, I'm not going to give people any more credit than they deserve. Would I give up my life today if this would never have happened? It would be easy for me to say yes, especially given my circumstances. I don't have a fancy home. I don't have a fancy wife. I don't have a family. And I try to live according to principles. So if someone came along and said, would you be willing to not exist at all? Not exist at all. To never have been if Nagasaki and Hiroshima could be you know, a, a thing that never happened. I would hope I'd say yes, but I have the intelligence to know it would probably make no difference. It's like all these crazy people. What if we went back to the 1920s and killed Hitler? And we've talked about this before in my podcast. Well, we're going to build a time machine and go back and kill Hitler. We're going to kill Hitler and we'll kill Goering and we'll kill that shithead, you know, the, you know, you know fucking, go, 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 you know... Goebbels, we're going to kill all the Nazi shitheads in 1925, Bo Blimpdock, and everything will be a-okay. Yeah. 
do that. In the 1920s, um, especially at the beginning of the 20s during the first major economic crises, and then during the second one that happened in the late 20s, um, there was so much chaos in Germany and, and a lot of angst and psychological confusion over what had happened. A lot of Germans looked at the map in 1918 and they would have said, we won. I mean, if you looked at a map of Europe in 1918 and said, which nation controls more of the map? Germany did. Germany had defeated Russia, basically. So by the spring of 1918, they took the troops they had in Russia and they brought them to France and you had an offensive. Um, I think they called it the Ludendorff Offensive, but you can double check that. That would be the spring of 1918. And then, you know, American force came in and, you know, it was a bridge too far for the Germans. They got pushed back a bit and that's when the, you know, the negotiations, November of 1918, that's when that began. You know, the armistice began. Um, but if you looked at a map of Europe and you were a German, you'd say, well, but it looks like we won. But you didn't win. And then there were the you know, the, the reparations, the, the obligations of the treaties, the punishments. There was all the punishments that were, that were leveled on Germany to include starving Germany, starving German people that, that continued after the war was over, effectively. They kept embargoes on food, so Germans starved. And so by the time you get to, the, to that period where the Nazis start to ascend, you had a lot of people in Germany who were angry and confused. And you had a lot of fucking Hitlers. There wasn't, I mean, I, there was only ever going to be one Hitler. Oh, you're unique. He was unique. Adolf Hitler was unique. He wasn't fucking special. If you had killed Adolf Hitler, how can I put this, brothers and sisters? There was another, quote unquote, Hitler waiting in the wings. Okay? Hitler had to kill some people to take control of the Nazi party. Did you know that? And that killing continued until the early 1930s, more or less ending with a Night of the Long Knives. If you had killed Hitler, it was as likely or not that the person that would replace Hitler would be worse. Worse. Much worse. In fact, worse in the following sense. He might have been less of an anti-Semite and more of a military strategist. He might have actually done some of the things that Hitler did to sort of bring back German morale without the concentration camps, without ultimately, by the, you know, the mid part of World War II, beginning and instituting the death camps. All these things could have been avoided, potentially, but you'd say, well, that's good news. But that same Hitler might have kicked our butts. That same Hitler might have been intelligent enough to look at Heisenberg, the German, the first person to actually do fission. Oh, okay. He might have been smart enough so that the nuclear weapon that got produced, the first one, would have been German. He might have been smart enough to give von Braun and his rocket pals a lot more money earlier. By 1943, they might have had that three-stage missile, they called it the New York missile, capable of hitting New York. Yeah, he could have been a lot less anti-Semitic and a lot better at strategy. Germans have a history of this too, brothers and sisters. He could have been even more evil than Hitler and also brilliant. 
The fact is, if you had gone back and killed Hitler, the most likely outcome is the situation for the Allies during World War II would have been worse. In fact, it's entirely plausible that World War II would have never happened because the Germans would have used a nuke. They probably would have nuked London. FDR would have, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe not. Maybe we don't do, do anything. Things could have been different. You know, Philip K. Dick wrote a book about this, basically. Except for in his book, Hitler's Still Alive, I would contend a better book would have been one where it was a different fucking person who was the quote-unquote Fuhrer. You can say to yourself, I would choose not to exist so that all these Japanese families and children would not have been killed. But it might do nothing. It might change nothing. History at a certain point, probably is, you know, irrevocable. I, I'm of the opinion that current models in quantum mechanics don't quite work and that there's a better way to look at the Schrodinger thought experiment. I'm of the opinion that what we call the present isn't as quote-unquote stable as we think it is. Like sometimes the present might be that microscopic slice of time very narrow, very fast, moves by quick. And by the time it gets to the past, it's, it's frozen. It's concrete. It's pure neutronium. You, you ain't gonna get there and you ain't gonna change shit. But I also think sometimes the past has a trailing edge. And that trailing edge under certain circumstances of entropy within general causality could go back a hundred years. And as long as the concrete's still wet and you've got a way to build a time machine, in theory, you can get there. In theory, I think. But even if you could, what would you achieve? And think of all the people you'd be wiping out. You would be. You would go back into that timeline and make any change at all. Maybe the only thing you do is you give Hitler food poisoning. And he recovers. And even something innocuous like that. I, call, I, I um, prank phone called Hitler. Even that one thing would take everybody from that point in time to the future, every person that ever existed, and it would erase them. Okay, they don't exist any longer. This is the part of time travel that people very rarely fucking talk about. And it's why the multiverse is so fascinating and so appealing, because it looks like you can get away with it, right? If there's a multiverse, the other people aren't destroyed. You didn't kill nobody. You just got yourself a personalized temporal existence. But that's probably not how it works, brothers and sisters. And probably that's why the Mandela effect exists, because people have a memory, a foggy kind of memory, that something happened. That there were people that used to be there that are no longer there. They're gone. We don't even know their names because they cease to exist. So be very careful about wanting to make a deal with history. Next topic. Dan, why can't we build a time machine? I don't know. Maybe we don't deserve a time machine. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. 
So you got a group of random people to solve a problem for you, did ya? It's leadership if it's transparent. Otherwise, it's just grifting. Yeah. People will often mistake a con artist for a leader. And here's one of the differences. Con artists will use fear and intimidation. Actual leaders avoid that. It's not smart. If you want to be an actual leader, the people that quote-unquote are following you have to have a choice to not follow you. And so if you're using fear and intimidation, like, if you don't follow me, I'll, I'll pull a trigger, a gun pointed at your head. You know, folks, fear and intimidation does work, but that's not leadership. That's something else. That's being a grifter. People will look at a leader that uses tricks, various tricks. Don't let a crisis go to waste type tricks. And they'll say, oh, isn't that leader, that politician clever? They used a fucking trick. They trick people. But that's not leadership. That's grifting. That's the same crooked bullshit. Yeah, you're not pointing a gun at anybody. You're just mind-fucking people. Like COVID-19. Like 2020. A lot of what happened in COVID-19 was a lot of Americans voluntarily becoming their own jailers. Voluntarily uh, staying at home because of fear. Because they saw something on TikTok. I saw a bunch of cops chasing a surfer. Did you? Or did you see a movie? Which is, yeah, you saw cops chasing a surfer or cops, you know, filling in a skateboard park. But what if that was just a crooked fucking movie? What if it was bullshit? What if what you were seeing was a simulation? And in fact, you could have gone out your fucking door and lived your fucking life if you just had a little bit of fucking courage and common sense. But brothers and sisters, if you're tricking people like that, that's not leadership. That's grifting. That's being a con artist. So don't have a lot of respect for somebody who tricks people into doing something. When I was 18 years old, I was invited to Boys State to be a counselor. Why? I don't know. I was governor of Boys State in 1987. Ask me if that makes me proud. Not really. It does not make me proud. But they asked me back the following summer, and there's this one day at Eastern Washington University, you know, I think it's, I would say it's about a half an hour to an hour away from Spokane. There was this one day towards the end where everyone was bored, and there were all these 17-year-olds and a couple 18-year-olds who technically were about my age, huddled about and said, what are we going to do? We're so bored. And I looked at that old elevator, and I looked at that group of people that were pretty much my age, and I said, why don't you load up the elevator with everybody here and try to go up a floor? I didn't tell them to go down. That wouldn't have been a very fun test. I mean, the same thing might have happened, but in theory, it might not have happened. I said, load up that elevator. All y'all, just get in there and try to go up a floor if you're really bored. Now, folks, I was like basically their age. I was. I mean, back then it may have seemed significant, but it wasn't. I had no authority. I had no authority to, to tell them to do something. 
that could potentially, you know, put their lives at risk. They were bored. Guess what? I was bored too. And a lot of these were like rich kids. They were. And it's not that my family never had money. We were never quite rich kids. Like we used to get real close. And then, you know, the airplane is in descent. And so I said, why don't you all load up that elevator and try to go up a floor? And, and here's the other thing, too. If they could have had me arrested that day, they would have. And, and these days, if you did something like that, they would arrest you. Even though the basis would be no better, it doesn't matter. People need somebody to blame because the public schools produce obedient little Prussian dwarves who do exactly what they're told to do. They don't want to think about that. They don't want to think about obedience theory. They want to blame some random Irish person. Now, did they invite me back the next year to be a counselor? No. And was I sad about it? Not really. Do I feel bad about what I did? Yes. Um, there was a kid who had claustrophobia. And, you know, this was Sunday, I think. And Sunday, an hour away from Spokane, getting an elevator repair dude to show up and do anything, well, that's a nice trick. So the kids were basically stuck in that elevator. It went up about six feet, and then I heard the noise. Gunk, 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 and I probably those were the emergency brakes kicking in. And then they were, they were stuck. And, and you know, it's not funny, but like I said, I had no special authority to tell them to do something stupid like that. They weren't that much, they were not really younger than me, any one of them. I mean, they were there at Boys State, meditate on this. They were there at Boys State for the same reason I was there the year before, because they're young people with the potential to be leaders. Yeah. And you want to know how we got into this mess, brothers and sisters? You want to know how... 2020 happened? It started a long time ago, shithead. It started a long time ago. It probably started before the whole, well, it's the Department of Education. Yeah, that's part of the story, motherfucker. But it goes back to the 19th century. It goes back to the Prussian reforms. It goes back to this idea that the, well, the super rich cronies who didn't really want a free society, they more or less wanted a slave class and they needed a public school system that would produce slaves. So it stands to reason that the best and brightest leaders that would go to Boys State would basically have a slave mentality. I think there was like 25 of these very big young men. These were football players, some of them. 25 of them, maybe 30, loading into that fucking elevator like it's a clown car. And it goes up six feet and gunk, 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 and they're stuck in there, I think, for about four hours. It's not, not cool. And one of them, like I said, at least one had claustrophobia. So think about that. That kid followed the crowd, even though, probably from experience, he shouldn't have. Does that make me special? Or is that the first time I probably had a glimmer to what politics is, and even as an atheist, that was probably the first fucking time I had a glimmer of what evil is and what Satan is. And it's a grift. Most of evil's a grift. It's why, from the previous topic, don't get too obsessed with a random fucking Hitler. Ask yourself why the shitheads did what he told them to do. Because they chose to. 
They made moral choices. And you could say, well, it's education and that's true. But if it is true, that particular, particular bowl broke more than 100 years ago. We're way down the road now, brothers and sisters. A lot of people you know, know a lot of people you know, that you live next to, they don't know the difference between a leader and a grifter. They don't. Okay, so if Obama promises them everything, why wouldn't they believe him? He, he you know, he was sort of good looking. He was sort of well spoken. They covered up his transcripts so at least he could pretend to be smart. And he won the Nobel Peace Prize basically after being in office for two days. That's kind of a grifter thing too when you think about it. But people cared more about the sizzle than the steak. They cared, they cared more about the frosting than the cake. They cared more about the paint on the house than the termites eating away at it. These scared little high school freaks cared more about the random opinion, the random fucking opinion of some stupid ass counselor making way less than minimum, minimum wage. They cared more about my opinion because maybe they thought I could impact their college bullshit. Who knows? They cared more about that than they cared about self-preservation. And this was 1988. Do you think it's gotten better since then? These were the best of the best, the smartest of the smartest. These were the future leaders of Washington State. At least the dudes were, because back then I don't think there were any women at boys, you know, it's boys state, they had girls state. Huh. Hooker's gonna hook. But my, I would wager if I'd gone to girls state, I could have pulled out the same trick. Maybe not exactly the same trick because you gotta be sensitive to gender differences. But if you'd given me the right scenario, if I were a complete douchebag, I could have gone to Girls State and got 30 freaking girls to do some kind of stupid shit, and probably they would have sent me to jail. And again, you should think on that one too. We want equal rights, but do you really? Do you want equal rights? It means being treated equally bad. Did you know that? I bet you do now, Girls State. I bet you do now. You want equal rights, you want Title IX, you want to be treated the same. Oh, hey, there's a dude that says he's a gal, and it's kind of insane. He whips out his penis, he threatens you, but he's not a guy, he's a gal like you. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Really, really be careful. But the bottom line with this whole issue is it didn't just happen in the last 10 years. Uh, you know, in 1988, an intelligent person could have seen this. Hell, when I looked at my curriculum as a freshman um, at the University of Washington, it shocked me. It shocked me what percentage of classes all the way to my senior year were basically things that had nothing to do with my major. It was shocking. It was almost as if it was more important for me to be programmed than it was for me to be a good scholar. And you say, well, they want a well-rounded. Wasn't that supposed to be high school shithead? Wasn't that supposed to be the John Hughes well-rounded 16 candles uh, breakfast club bullshit? 
That's what they tell people. We're gonna make you well-rounded. Well, I guess it takes more money to get you properly rounded into a fucking knob. And then you go out in the world as a knob, and then maybe one day you have the intelligence to not run into an elevator because some random dude says so. Because, you know, now you're well-rounded. Most of the people who vote, so let's just talk about voters. I'm not a voter. I think a lot of my listeners are not voters, but most of the people who vote can't tell the difference between a con artist or a leader. And because of that, our entire system is filled with grifters. Next topic. Can I can't believe, I can't. You, you with your can'ts and your won'ts and your dance. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. Moral hazard is baked into all government, whatever form it takes, like Lovecraft's Yogg-Sothoth. And let's talk about the Yogg-Sothoth. Lovecraft wrote a book. It's, it's one of his, technically, he mostly wrote short stories, but he wrote a few longer short stories, and one of them was called At the Mountains of Madness, which I think John Carpenter in The Thing more or less captures pretty well. And in the story of the Yogg-Sothoth, the Yogg-Sothoth is the kind of a biologically engineered creature that can take on any form. It's polymorphic. Um, it's a shapeshifter, basically. And it can shapeshift into anything. And it can shapeshift into more than one of the same thing. And it's kind of creepy and scary, and it devours everything. This is the Yogg-Sothoth. And when you think about government, government will be... We can we can take care of the crooks, and it's like, okay, you're going to... Yeah, I'll take care of the criminals. You just have to give me your money. We'll take care of the crooks. If you don't pay us, we'll show up at your door, and we'll treat you like a crook. Okay. So that seems like a bad thing for... Well, we can fix roads. We can fix roads. We can build roads. But what if I wanted a flying car 50 years ago? Well... You're not going to get that. Okay, then, then you don't need to do that. But we can defend the nation. We can have navies and armies and air forces, and we can defend freedom. Okay, why are you in Syria stealing poor people's oil? Well, you don't need to think about, but you know, we can do other stuff. We can go to the moon. We can travel to the moon. Folks, here's the deal. Every form of government has moral hazard baked into it because what you're deciding to do is take your responsibility and give it to somebody else in the hope that somehow this magical person is a better person than you. But in all likelihood, that's probably not true. In all likelihood, the people that find themselves around government are some of the shittiest fucking people that ever fucking lived. If you wanted to design a kind of roach motel for crapheads, sociopaths, ne'er-do-wells, criminals, thieves, crazy people, and drug dealers, you wouldn't build a homeless camp, shithead. You'd build Washington, D.C. And then basically that whole place becomes Sodom. And that didn't just start. That was happening 50, 60 years ago. That was going on when motherfuckers said, why don't we vaporize a couple cities to test our bombs? We don't need to do a demonstration. They attacked us on Pearl Harbor. We're defending freedom. So let's vaporize, you know, 
hundreds of thousands of people to test a couple weapons because when you think about it, if it wasn't about vaporizing people and test testing weapons, why did you need to do it twice and why do you use two different, two different kinds of weapons? Well, it needs to be reliable and we didn't know which one would work. Well, we tested. We tested the device at Trinity. We could have used the one we tested. We did not have to use more than one. Well, if we, if we used it and it didn't work, what, you think using a bad idea twice guarantees it'll succeed? <laughs> I think mechanical failure theory says you're wrong. So all the excuses for why we, oh, but we would have had to, yeah, I don't think you would have had to invade Japan. I'm pretty certain we knew the Japanese government wanted peace after Hitler's government fell. I think we knew that. I think we had every indication of that. What we did had a lot to do with the Soviet Union. What we did had a lot to do with crooked people wanting to test pretty fucked up weapons. What we did had to do with cruelty and maybe even an anti-Christian thing because I'm pretty certain Nagasaki had a fairly high population of Christians. You can research this. The Yogg-Sothoth will take on any form. The Yogg-Sothoth is a monster an embodiment, a representation, a symbol of the grifter, of the con artist, the gaslighter. You want to know how scary the Yogg's Thoth is? Have you ever lived with an abusive person that lies to you? That constantly pretends to be anything and everything in order to fuck with you? Have you? I have. In the last 10 years, I've had multiple people like that get into my life. They were all Yogg's Thoth. They could not shapeshift in that physical fucking sense. They didn't become giant goddamn penguins, but they could pretend to be anything as long as it was traumatic and damaging to my fucking soul. Government will promise everything, brothers and sisters. It'll promise you they'll build nuclear rockets to Mars. And if you want to give them money to do it, that is your choice. It should be voluntary. It should also be the choice to not give money to a con artist. Next topic. Yeah, but what about the libertarians? Oh, in some ways, fucker, they're the worst. Because they're selling you the worst lie. The idea that voting will work to get to freedom. You'll vote your way to freedom. You'll vote your way to freedom. Just keep voting harder and one day, one day, little Johnny, you'll be free. Yeah. <sighs> Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. The most depressing Thanksgiving ever would be the cricket and kale turkey Thanksgiving. And my friend might say, wouldn't having no food be worse? And I'd say, dear Lord, take me home before then, is what I'd say. Kale and, kale and cricket, kale and soy, mixed in a slurry, injection molded in the shape of a turkey, deep fried in oil grease and seed extracts and pain mungus and diesel fuel. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but I think that holiday is coming. I, I, in, t in 2019, I told people that, that a great famine was coming. And I thought it was a year or two years away. 
it hasn't quite gotten here yet. And, and, well, let me rephrase that. It's gotten to planet Boblimtok. It hasn't quite reached Rome yet, and I mean the proverbial Rome. I don't mean Vatican. I mean the United States. It hasn't quite gotten on the Death Star yet. But if you look around, you're seeing people make different choices today. Um, a lot of different choices. And a lot of people are beginning to realize that that thing you were told in, you know, in econ class in college about food being inferior good, that that might have always been bullshit. That might have always been Norman Borlaug crap. That might have always been an excuse for producing food that would mostly produce cancer and diabetes. But Dan, it allowed billions of people, it allowed billions of people to live, maybe, but under what circumstances should we A, go back in time and kill Hitler, B, trade our souls so that people at Nagasaki don't die, or C, say that let's take the healthy natural food that used to have vitamins and minerals so you didn't need to take a multivitamin, and let's replace it with this grombo shit that's grown on a sponge because all the topsoil in the Midwest is now in the Gulf of Mexico. That's grifting. By the way, taking kale and cricket and soy and shaping it like a turkey does not make it a turkey. If someone walks down the street and says, look at me, look at me, I am righteous, doesn't make them righteous. Lots of people will claim to be Christians towards the end, does not make them Christians. Many false prophets will arrive, does not mean they're telling the truth. Grifter's going to grift. The oldest profession is con artist. In fact, the first con was convincing you that being a hooker was the oldest profession. No. The con artist mind-fucked you on that one. The great grifter. Yeah, take me home, Lord. Before I have to have a cricket and kale and soy turkey that's been injection molded and, and it's covered in some type of grimy, greasy seed oil extract that's moldy, take me home. Okay, I don't want to die, but you can take me home. Suck me up like Elijah or whatever. Have me get hit by a truck. I'm not as good as Elijah. But you can take me home long before I, I go to that Thanksgiving. Though I fear a Thanksgiving like that is coming to many. Next topic. Okay, Dan. Okay, you did the turkey bullshit. I did the turkey bullshit. Next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Holy water might be mostly bullshit. I mean, if Christ blessed it, okay. But some random Catholic priest? No. Is there evidence in the Bible of waters that have been blessed? Yes. Do I believe some random Roman Catholic priest is your best bet for blessing water? No. Okay? I think many Catholics are Christians. Many Mormons are Christians. Many Baptists are Christians. Many Quakers are Christians. Lots of Amish are, are Christians. But are they all Christians? Probably not. And the good news is, is the good news, which means that I don't have to judge. All right? But I'm telling you something. If you think going to some Catholic church and pulling some water out of some particular, <laughs> yeah, out of some particular receptacle it means it's holy water, I think you're mistaken. And, and I, had a, I had a friend of mine a couple years ago, and he was doing prophecy. 
I try to be careful, by the way. I talk about things and I will be talking about something today, but I try to be careful and tell you it's my opinion. It's my belief. I am not a prophet. But no, this dude, he said he was a prophet. And he took the lines from various parts of the Bible that dealt with the abomination of desolation being in a holy place. And he said, well, that refers to that Amazonian thingy that they stuck inside the Vatican. Well, let's stop you right there. We have no idea how much was ripped off of Central America between the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Incans, and others. We have no idea how much treasure, how many books, because yes, the Mayans had books, were ripped off by the Vatican. So if you're going to tell me that suddenly some Grigri, some forest demon being put in the Vatican is the thing, I don't think you understand what happened to the pre-Columbian civilizations. I really, really don't. But let's continue. Why would any motherfucker, if they understood the history of Rome, why would they think that's the holy place? Why? Because so many Christians died there? Well, this is true. A lot of Christians died there. A lot of Native Americans were murdered at Wounded Knee. Do you think that makes it holy? Or do you think it makes it cursed? It's something to think about, brothers and sisters. These weren't people that chose to die there. A lot of Christians didn't want to be martyrs. Did you know that? A lot of Christians in the Middle Ages who didn't have the right opinion were tortured and murdered. Under Torquemada, there was a reign of terror of burning people alive. So tell me, motherfucker, again, why do you assume the Vatican is a holy place? Why? Next topic related. Yeah, if someone's selling you holy water because a random priest blessed it, just be careful. They're probably a grifter. You know, probably. Yeah. So I want to get back to this phrase because it is, it is in Matthew 24, but I think the origination is Daniel. You, you can double check. Um, a lot of stuff from the Old Testament is referenced in the New Testament. That kind of makes sense. And there's a lot of end times prophecy in the Old Testament. Um, Isaiah, Daniel, I think even Jeremiah to some extent, just about all the great prophets had something to say about the end times. Not just about the coming of Christ, but the actual end of the ages, the end of the times, the end times. And so I was told the holy place was, was Rome. I think that's total bullshit. I, 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 I don't know if my friend was simply confused. I don't know if he was being misled. But anyone that understands the history of Rome would say the following. Maybe it's not a doomed place but I wouldn't call it the holy place in capital letters. I think that's a fair way of putting it. And that includes the 1500 years of the Vatican. Because from my perspective, it's just a zombie continuation of the Western Roman Empire, which really means just the zombie Roman Empire, not a holy place, okay? When the Borgia popes turned the Vatican into a brothel, it wasn't a holy place. It wasn't infallible. But what is the abomination of desolation? The, or rather, the abomination that causes desolation? Well, hmm. 
I think there's another name for that. And I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I think the abomination that causes desolation is the Antichrist. I believe this is a reference to that moment when Pope Francis will say, I got this dude. And, and maybe he'll be one of those Nordic alien types, so he'll look human, and they'll say he's human, and then they'll say King David was an alien, and he's got King David's blood, and I got this guy. I got this guy. And he's going to save the world. And if I were to ask myself, what's the holy place? It would be a basic choice between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and I think it would be Bethlehem. I think it would be the birthplace of Jesus Christ. I think that sometime, again, this is my opinion, I'm not a prophet, but I, these dots kind of connected in my head yesterday. So you can listen to this and say to yourself, this sounds like crap, and if it turns out to be crap, I'll admit it, because it's not prophecy. But I think sometime around Christmas, because understand this too, Christmas isn't what you think it is, okay? You say, well, you sound like a Jehovah's Witness. Well, just about every grifter gets something right. Um, Christmas is a Roman holiday. The Christmas tree is a Roman tradition that goes way back before Jesus Christ. So if they really wanted to do a fuck you to God, where would you do it? Would you do it in the Vatican? They've been doing fuck yous to God at the Vatican for 1,500 years. They've been mocking and destroying Christianity for more than a millennium. No, no, no. That's not the holy place, my friends. Sometime about, I think, Christmas of this year, Pope Francis is going to introduce the Antichrist at Bethlehem. And it could be on December the 24th or the 25th. It could be on a more precise date that actually matches the historical date of when the Romans had their pagan holiday. But the key point is, it's going to be the opposite. It's not going to be John the Baptist. It's going to be evil John the Baptist. Why would evil John the Baptist do this in the Vatican? That, that's not really opposites. That's playing the same pattern since, I don't know, the 5th century A.D., but Bethlehem? I could see that. I could see it. I could see a peace conference. I could see Palestinians and the Israelis shaking hands. I could see the great deceiver saying, look at me, I brought peace. And oh, I'm going to fix the environment. And I'm going to cure disease. And I'm going to solve all your problems. So if you think I could be right, and you believe in the rapture, then perhaps you have an indication of the timeline now. Maybe. I know it sounds crazy, um, but I'm sorry. No one's going to convince me that the Vatican is the holy place. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's many things. Rome itself and the Vatican are many, many things. But in terms of our Lord Jesus Christ, calling them holy, is in, it's an insult. And that's the thing. This is not meant to be ironic. It's meant to be a greater insult. God expects Rome to insult him. God expects Rome to act like crapheads. Frankly, he expects the people of Jerusalem to act like crapheads. Okay? That's, you know, that's where they killed his son. But to do this, to reveal the Antichrist around 
the time of the pagan holiday that they claimed is the Christian holiday, and to do so in Bethlehem? Well, that's the biggest fuck you you could ever deliver. Next topic. And it might not be Christmas this year, but it feels like it. It just feels like it. I'm not a prophet. But here's the thing. What if it did happen? Well, I might get raptured. I don't know. I have a lot of things to work on, and my greatest sin is really one of the worst sins, and that's my inability to, my problem with forgiveness. I'm still working on it. So I might not get raptured, but let's say I did, and let's say you came across this podcast. It wouldn't have helped you to know what would happen because, for lots of reasons, to include censorship, you would never have known before, even though it was there. But if you came across it afterwards, maybe it's a breadcrumb. Maybe it's another thing a person could say, okay, this is mysterious, this is strange. Maybe in my own fallible small way, maybe in my own sinful tiny way, maybe in my mediocre life, if I did happen to be right, it becomes a breadcrumb for somebody else. It becomes a way during the tribulation to find your way to God. I'm not saying I'm special. I'm just saying God does work in very, very mysterious ways. And sometimes he does use old fools. I don't think he's using Trump. Trump's used up. The devil owns him. But will he use an old fool? Well, sure. Did you know doctors have a new pill? A new pill that cures cancer? It's easy to take. Here's a a quote from Dr. Freckles. U.S. scientists have a new cure for cancer, an easy-to-take pill. It's called cyanide. It cures cancer. It cures it forever. You take the cyanide pill, the tumor dies. Did you know... Did you know doctors have a new pill? It cures every disease. It's called cyanide. You just take the pill and all your problems, they go away. That's dark, Dan. Well, it's a little bit dark. It's a little dark. I'll admit to that. It's dark. Um, but but here's the, the, the rather blunt point that Dr. Freckles is making. There's a lot of garbage news right now. A lot of garbage information. You need to be your own filter. I could be crap. You don't need to believe everything you're hearing from me, by the way. I'm not doing anything to deceive you, but wouldn't that be what a deceiver would say? A lot of doctors will come out, I think, in the coming months, especially if the tribulation begins. And and they'll be saying things like, I got a new cure, and it's a cure for cancer. It's a cure for sadness. It's a cure for your sex drive. It's called cyanide. All rights reserved to Satan, right? 
careful. It's not just the information. It, it, the information is bad. But be careful of the people you give your trust to, especially right now. I don't know that I am right. A few weeks ago I said the odds of the end times go from 50-50 to, to roughly 85%. I don't think all the pieces are there, but I think, my friends, it's really close. Almost every piece is there. And then I think about the deceivers in my own life. Dan, it, there's going to be an, a horrible thing in the holy place. Well, where's the holy place? Rome. I mean, to a Roman, to an emperor, to Marcus Aurelius, maybe. But I wonder, if Jesus had thought Rome was going to be so critical since Jesus knew everything, why wouldn't he have mentioned it? Well, he had disciples. He had Paul. Yes, yes, and yes. But I'm pretty certain Jesus would have said, and oh, by the way, the only church of the Lord, the only church of Jesus, is going to be in Rome, built on the same stone as the murdered Tarquins, built on the same stone as the murdered Celts, built on the same stone as, as Nero's atrocities and Caligula's atrocities, built on the same stone where in the Middle Ages witches were burnt alive, lots of people were burnt alive and tortured, built on the same stone where catamites, that's a nice way of saying little boys and girls, have been raped for more than a thousand years. That's the holy place. Something here is not right. It occurred to me three years ago when this person was telling me this shit that this was, there's something wrong with this. And at the time, at the time, I was still on a journey with Jesus and I did not see the full picture. Hell, if I'd seen Sound of Freedom in 2020, if they'd made that movie back then, I might have for a moment been a little bit mystified. But I understand things better now than I ever have. I had all the information my whole life. I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school. I had every single piece of data I needed my whole life. But it's only been in the last few years that I've really understood the truth. And i got to tell you something. Wherever the holy place is, it's not the Vatican. Now, could the Pope be the evil John the Baptist? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. He's looking more and more like that every day. But he's not going to reveal the Antichrist in the shithole because how can I put this? That would be too fucking obvious. He's going to reveal the truth, I think, in Bethlehem. And in about six, seven months, you can make fun of me. I mean, I'm dropping off the radar, so <laughs> good luck reaching me, right? But I believe, I don't know, it's my opinion, it's not prophecy, that that's going to happen. And so be careful. Be careful of the experts. Be careful of the scientists, so-called. Be careful of all the bamboozlers. Be careful of the music man. Be careful of the con artist. Because the oldest profession is grifter, as you hear me say so many times. And the oldest grifter is Satan. Hey, Adam. Hey, Eve. Hey, Eve, come over here. You want to know what a cigarette is? You want a glass of whiskey? How would you like a brand new car? All you got to do is eat that fucking apple, Eve, and then get Adam to do it. And you'll know about cigarettes and computers and nuclear bombs and all kinds of really cool shit. Rockets to the moon, Eve. Rockets to the moon. 
He's an old grifter. He'll sell you everything. He'll sell you the whole world. But he won't tell you that the warranty runs out. He's not going to tell you that. If you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, great. Um, I don't know how many more of these I'm going to be able to do. It's a, it's a simple practical reality that I won't have internet in about, yeah, a week. And I don't know when I'll have internet again. And even if I can pack the shit I need to where I'm going, which I still don't know, I don't know if I'm going to have access to electricity. It's going to be pretty basic for a while. So if you're, if you're listening to this show, this could be the last week that I create any podcasts. And might you hear a few more? Sure you will. Maybe two or three more. And then it's probably done, and it might be done forever. I don't know what's coming next. I suspect it could be the fulfillment. It could be the eschatology and what comes at the end of that concept, the very study of how things end. It could be an eschatological question. What's coming next? I don't know. Could be the end times. Could be just rough times. But whatever times are coming next, I don't think it's going to be an age of podcasting. I would love to, I would love to be different. If you're a Texas billionaire and you love my show and you want to prove me wrong, Dan, I love you, but you're too much doom and gloom. Let me get you a home so you don't die in the desert someplace. Well, God bless if you exist, if you're allowed to listen. And if you did listen, you wouldn't get a letter from the FBI. Oh, well, you can't talk about him. But I don't think that's coming. If you listen to this podcast, you need to take care of your food, your water, your shelter first. If you're setting aside food for your family, for your kids, make sure you think about your pets. My heart has a special place for dogs, but hey, set aside food for your family also means set aside food for your dog. Six months of food for you and your family means you need six months of food for your dog. So before you pay me, take care of those things before you donate. This isn't the end of the world. Even if we're on the verge of the end times, still not the end of the world. And the good news is, if you don't get raptured, you're still going to get a second chance. And if there is no rapture, you're still going to get a second chance. There's going to be another chance to get it right for everybody. That's good news. You're not going to get a third chance. Sorry. But you're going to get one more. For everybody, for all of us. And if there is no rapture, I'm going to be right there with you. This last chance. And if there is a rapture, I guess people will find a pile of clothes in the desert someplace if I'm still alive, you know, in Christmas or whenever it does happen, if it does happen. Um, but even if that's the case, it's not the end of the world. In fact, you could make an argument that it's really the beginning of a new age. Yeah, it's the birth pains. The Lord calls it birth pains for a reason, brothers and sisters. When I was a kid in Catholic school, they showed us this French movie. This movie was in color. This movie had sound. It was of a live birth. And it was for sex education. And I know why they showed it at the time. It was a scary fucking movie. 
okay? If there were any loose girls in that class at that time, believe me, they became a lot less loose after seeing that movie. Sure, it has the happy ending. Oh, there's the child and everyone's tearful and great. But the reality is it was a brutal film. You know, it was brutal. It was almost like a snuff flick, except nobody died. Um, and there's lots of blood and lots of gore and lots of viscera. And guess what? That's childbirth. It's ugly and scary. It's also beautiful and it's necessary. And if you want new things to be born, old things have to die. That's also true. And that's brutal and that's scary, but that's reality. But it's not the end of the world. So before you donate any money to me, do me a favor and yourself a favor. Take that money you have left over after doing the things you need to do and do some things you want to do. I don't think the devil wants you happy, by the way. I think he loves it if you're obsessed. Oh, obsession is a pleasing thing for the devil, but he doesn't want you happy. He doesn't want you satisfied. So why don't you go out today, on this day, on this Sunday, after church, why don't you go out and have a picnic? Why don't you barbecue? Why don't you do something for yourself and your friends? You know, when a bunch of us get together and we don't want to harm each other, when a bunch of us get together, even if we don't get along with each other and we are trying to be happy, that's called a fellowship offering. That proves to God that he didn't make a mistake. So get together with some friends, even friends who aren't believers. Have yourself a good old-fashioned party, a.k.a. fellowship offering. Get together without harm, without violence, without threat. Get together for joy. Yeah, you can have wine and beer without harming each other. At least I hope you can. If you can't, then that, that is a reason to stop drinking, by the way. Get together and celebrate existence. And if you do, and you're not harming people, but you are pretty much getting together in joy, the Lord smiles. That's a blessing. It's a blessing for the world. You know, that's why they turned that off in 2020. Of the many things they turned off, they turned off the basic idea that in the Old Testament, there's a thing called the fellowship offering. In the words following, you know, the escape from Egypt, in the language of God going down to the people in the wilderness, there's a basic idea that if you can get together and you're not warring and raping and killing, if you're not poisoning each other, if you're not conceiving a ways to vaporize a bunch of people just to see if you can do it, but you're actually getting together not to refine uranium, not to build bombs, not to figure out how you're going to harm people, but you actually get together in peace and love and yeah, to party, to be happy, to be joyful, that's more powerful than Satan could ever be. So there's no way you're going to get the world ready if you let people celebrate together. It's just not going to happen. Satan doesn't want you happy, brothers and sisters, but Jesus does. He wants you to be good. He wants you to be kind. He wants you to forgive. He wants you to follow the golden rule and the Ten Commandments, but he also wants you to be happy. So before you send a random stranger what little money you have, give yourself a day off. Okay? And if you're putting off talking to people you haven't talked to in a long time, Now's a good time to pick up the phone. Now's a good time to let them know. I know I've said this periodically since December, November, December 2019, and I stick to what I said back then. 
We don't know. The Lord said we don't know. When it comes to the end times, we don't know. It's going to be like a thief in the night. So don't assume you're going to have tomorrow. And if you're a good Christian, and I mean it, I don't mean it sarcastically. If you're a good Christian disciple of the Lord, here's another reason not to put it off. You might not be here tomorrow. And that friend that could have benefited from your words is going to be left with a mystery that, you know, the Antichrist will take advantage of. You don't know. I think it's possible that the Pope reveals the Antichrist this year. But that's an opinion. And that's an opinion from someone who spent most of his life as an atheist. So how about this? How about instead of putting off those phone calls putting off that party, putting off that celebration. Instead of sending me that money, why don't you have a barbecue with friends you haven't seen in a while? You might be surprised. It might be what they need. And I'm sorry I'm cracking up a bit, but I saw a boomer again today, and I'm glad I did. And he was happy to see me, you know, probably because thought, he thought I had cheese. I'm a hermit, and I've probably been a hermit since I was a kid. And I can pre pretend bravado, like I don't need people, but that's kind of crazy. Even hermits need people. Even hermits need the fellowship of other people. It's a thing. So don't put it off. And last but not least, if you've done all these things and you're going to have a really cool barbecue today with really decent beer, and I'm going to do a shout out to IPA because IPA's been beat on. Re oh, IPA's bitter. You know what? That means more IPA for me. That's what that means. More IPA for me. Don't put it off. But anyways, if you've done all these things and you've got everything, the world, the earthly place, this place where stuff turns to shit, if you have all the stuff that will become shit one day and you don't need any more shit and, you, and you're like a Texas billionaire and you go down the street on your golden white horse or whatever, that doesn't make sense. You go down your, your street on your white horse with your two golden six shooters, that makes more sense. And you go pew, 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 up in the air and you're saying... I don't know who to give my millions to. Hey, if you give them to me, I can make the following promise. I will take care of my food, my water, my shelter. I will take care of people I love and care about that need help. I will try to enjoy life and I will keep the podcast going. I don't think it's likely there's a dude or a person like that. It could be that I just suck. It could also be that I'm buried. It could be all the above. There's a lot of censorship going on. But if you happen to randomly hear this and you have no idea what to do with your millions and you want to prove me wrong, well, hey, shithead, cash out some of that Bitcoin and prove me wrong. For Sunday, August the 6th, 2023, Hiroshima Day, 
I wouldn't spend too much time thinking about Hiroshima or Adolf Hitler. I wouldn't spend a lot of time thinking about time machines. But can I make a basic suggestion to just iron this point in because it's been a theme in recent weeks and I think it's critical? Just because a fancy dude in a fancy, fancy outfit shows up in your two-horse town with a fancy wagon that says, I've got all the cures for everything, does not make it true. And we would all do with a little bit more common sense. And when you look at Anthony Fauci, don't look at him as a scientist. Understand he's a grifter. Understand he's a torturer. Understand he's a poisoner. Understand that in all likelihood, the God he worships is lowercase and, and also goes by the name of Lucifer. The great grifter is getting ready for his final grift, his final sting. He was going to take it all away at the beginning. He told Eve, you eat this apple, you're going, to you're going to have a fancy life. Eve told Adam, eat this apple, there'll be no more strife. Adam and Eve got kicked out, and they had to struggle in the stone and the heat, and Satan was tossed below. But brothers and sisters, he was always going to have a chance to win what he always wanted to steal everything, to undo creation, to prove to God, like it's trading places, as I think I said yesterday, to prove to God that, yeah, we'll bet a buck fifty, and I'll bet you that humans are crapheads. So why don't we prove Satan wrong? Go out today, not in fear, not worried about the Ukraine war, not worried about some new monkey virus, not worried about drag queen story divide and conquer bullshit, not worried about the race war, not worried about whatever TikTok or Instagram or other medium of bullshit, whatever fear they're feeding you. Why don't you go out this afternoon and be fearless? If someone says, aren't you worried? And you say, no. And it's not because I don't have strife, I do. I'm not worried because Jesus goes before me. He's always gone before us. Have a great rest of your Sunday.